0: Welcome back to History for Non-Majors. This isn't your typical history class. No notes,
1: essays, or grades. Just tune in, have a laugh, and stick around for the stories that make life interesting. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Laura. And welcome
0: to another episode. (laughs) First off, I would like to apologize for last week's episode uh, for our technical difficulties. However, it is a learning experience.
1: Yes, Bonnie was very quiet, which was unfortunate. But <laughs> the first
0: time anybody's ever said that. Yeah, Bonnie was very quiet. Like, oh, my God, Bonnie was too quiet. Ooh, I felt a shitter. That's never been said. So. Yeah, that's
1: actually a problem we've never had before until mm-hmm. until this past episode. <laughs> it feels weird. <laughs> also, I guess we should apologize for all the, like, eating noises.
0: I will never apologize for that. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I take goldfish it back. We're not apologizing for that. Pizza goldfish are a gift. Yeah. Should be treated as such.
1: Mm-hmm so um how was your how's your week been so far this is wednesday when we're recording let me check my calendar what has my last you week not remember
0: been? i don't remember well i know you did andy craft i did i went to my little craft show sold a couple hats mm-hmm. knitted up a storm made some pom poms so proud felt felt good about it yeah and then tomorrow we have our or tomorrow or the next day we have my peer grading for my paper that I turned in 11 pages on because I had a crisis about my thesis and my subject matter, and I said, here you go. So apologies in advance to all of my classmates who have to read that monstrosity. It is very short, it has no point, and I am aware.
1: This is the Nantucket paper. This is
0: the Nantucket paper Mm -hmm. because I switched my topic a little bit. Yeah from the War of 1812 and Neutrality, and Uh then I went, I hate the War of 1812. I've never liked the War of 1812. If I'd made my senior seminar paper, the War of 1812, something's wrong with me. So I switched more to the adaptation of the people of Nantucket, Uh and how they've been able to adapt to different situations, trying Mm -hmm. to find the reason behind that. Haven't found the reason,
1: the paper's 11 pages. Of not finding the reason.
0: Not finding the reason. I hope Dr. Prevet doesn't listen to this, because the night it was due, we were also watching The Conjuring 3, so I was kind of paying more attention to, um, is it Patrick Williams? God, that man. Fine. Was Raul in the, um, in the Gerard Butler Phantom of the Opera?
1: Uh, I see, yes. (laughs) Mm -mm, I see, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There are nods in the studio.
0: (laughs) Google him. But the... Yeah, 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 yeah. I was working like all last weekend on it, and I was like making no progress because I couldn't wrap my brain around all of my sources.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're fine. Oh, okay. What about you? That doesn't sound real fine, but um, <laughs> we are coping. Yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been a week. Uh, well, actually, it hasn't been a week. It's been we're in the middle of the week, but it's been it's been a Wednesday. It's been a rough time. I don't know. I've been. I feel like there's a ton of things that are due. And I'm just like scrambling to get them all done. And you would think that being a junior, I would have a little bit more of a handle on these things, you know? You would think. Like but having, I can tell you now, having done a few semesters. But no, that it it never gets better.
0: I don't possess the study <laughs> skill. I also haven't been able to memorize a date ever in my life. Um, that's really happening. So yeah, I had a similar problem. And we are
1: both honors kids. <laughs> We're
0: both honors. That
1: helps. Honors gives you no advantage. No, I was just saying like. Um, we should be better than this I, yeah if if you think any i don't know there's i feel like there's some stereotypes there throw them out the window we mm-hmm. don't know what we're doing at all no we're just struggling about aquinas instead aquinas oh my gosh well we haven't talked about him in a while but uh, yeah i don't remember what he said yeah mm-hmm. i don't remember what any of
0: them said people quote philosophers and i'm like that man is dead
1: to me yeah i do not know i had a project that was due last night for my id class and I, it has a bunch of specifications about how you're supposed to turn it in, and you're supposed to turn. I had seen on the rubric, oh, you're supposed to turn it in in a folder, and so I just like found the only folder I had, and it was a very silly folder. Yeah. It has, it has, it says, it says peas on earth, <laughs> like peace on. And little piece. <laughs> you said, here's my project, glove, and I just put it in that because I don't have any other folders. And then I came to turn it in, and all the other ones were in like these very professional looking, like clear fronted, um, like perfect little folders. And I was like, well, I'm screwed. Yours had I'm very screwed. Had style. Yes, it did. It had flair. You know, had so flair. Was points. there? I should get points for that, but um, we'll see. I feel I think the professor might feel differently
0: did you intend to do that she had style she had flair she was there (laughs) until she became the manny
1: that's what i say i go had style it had flair um (laughs) that was lovely thank you
0: no what i thank you what (laughs) i had to do was download this like cheap little um countdown app once again and put in all my major assignments because i feel like something's knocking at my door Mm -hmm. and it's really 21 days away yeah and i'm like why am i worrying about you know, project B before project A.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's something that I'm forgetting, and I constantly feel that way.
0: So now I can see what is chronologically on the horizon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Made me feel marginally better.
1: Yay, we love feeling marginally
0: better. <laughs> <laughs> Not a major improvement, but
1: an improvement <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> so today, um, you know, we said last week, oh, this is our, le- our least professional episode yet. Um, we might be trying to one up ourselves. Yeah, we just want to beat bit. it. Because <laughs> um, I was supposed to prepare the notes for the episode for today, and I just ran out of time because of, ah, Don't I've let been know. struggling. Don't let them know. So, play I, off. No, No, I'm just telling them we're being honest and transparent. <laughs> this is like when you
0: get up to a presentation, and the teacher's like, don't don't downplay yourself like when you pull up the no, PowerPoint I'm, and you're like, sorry, guys, this is going to be terrible. No, That's it's like, not going to
1: be terrible, but okay. we are going to be doing something a bit different. Um, Bonnie suggested, when I got here, I was like, okay, I have no notes. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, we could just do it later. She was like, just pull up one of your old history papers. Do you have something that you've written that you did research on? Um, and I immediately idea. thought about my historian's craft paper. Um, from freshman year Ooh. yeah um, we in that uh, that class for those of you who are not familiar with it is basically the class that all history and secondary um, education sec- secondary social studies education yeah. majors have to take before they can take any like upper level, history courses
0: yeah it's like a historiography yeah like you kind of learn you don't learn how to write a history paper you learn how to write a historiography so you learn how to do a lot of history research
1: you do but you also you also the entire class is one long paper mm-hmm. like you you spend the entire class writing one long paper um and which you is get nice. to go
0: home and quarantine because of covid oh okay
1: well i don't think that's <laughs> typically i don't think that's a part of the syllabus that's true you know But uh, that is what happened when we took Historian's Craft. Bonnie and I sat on the front row next to each other, little giggly freshmen, and just annoyed the crap out of Dr. Renberg.
0: I don't regret it. (laughs) We had fun.
1: We did. It was a good class. I wish we could go back to those simpler days when we wrote one huge paper for an entire class.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you know that's what I'm doing
1: for senior seminar? Oh, you're doing it all over again. Wow. That's oh, where gosh. you started and that's where you're going to end. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, I really liked my paper from that class because uh, Dr. Renberg, ugh, Dr. Renberg let us choose any topic that we wanted to talk about. And um, I, as I discussed in our introduction episode have always had a, well, not always, but, you know, for a long time had a thing for fashion history. And most of that research I've done outside of school because, you know, I was in high school before that. So I did not have any reason to do that. But um, so I jumped on that chance to talk about something that I really liked. So my historiography paper ended up being about fashion during the French Revolution. AND SPECIFICALLY, IT WAS FOCUSING ON HOW POLITICS INFLUENCES DRESS AND THEY KIND OF INFLUENCE EACH OTHER. SO DRESS, YOU KNOW, MIGHT INFLUENCE POLITICS. IT MIGHT BE A SYMBOL OF YOUR POLITICAL ALLEGIANCES OR LEANINGS. Um, THEY ARE INTERTWINED. THAT IS ONE THING I LOVE ABOUT, LIKE, MATERIAL CULTURE TYPE STUDIES IS THAT, UM, it might seem like you're just studying objects or like, you know, pretty things, but it's all tied in with what was, what was going on during that time period with what the social structure was or, you know, what was going on with politics or just, you know, what materials were available to them. Like you can learn a lot of things about a society from their clothes and other objects. Uh, so I was really excited to write that. So I'm going to just talk to y'all about um, my research topic from freshman year, from COVID semester.
0: I'm excited. And <laughs> oh, wait, did you do, you mentioned French Revolutions. I assume that is all in France. I do remember being it in is. the room when Renberg was like, you got to narrow this down.
1: Yes, <laughs> when I re orig- when uh, original I can't talk today. I'm sorry. When I originally started out, I was like, I want to talk about fashion, and she was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I want to talk about like fashion history, and she was like, you need to narrow it down like a lot. That's yeah. like, that's that's like everything. Because I mean, can you imagine that being like I'm going to write a paper about the history of chairs? That's I don't know. This no, is even broader even than the that, history of though. chairs would be insane yeah i know that would be that'd be a long paper but the history of clothes is would be even more because you know like there's way more variation in clothes than there are than there is in chairs
0: tune in next week to when we talk about the history (laughs) of chairs and we prove her wrong okay
1: (laughs) it's bonnie's next topic the history of chairs But so yeah, she told me I needed to narrow it down. I kept narrowing it down. I didn't narrow it down enough, and then I finally settled on the French Revolution. And she was like, "That's still kind of broad, but you can probably do it." And I was like, "Politics. I'm gonna do politics and dress in the yep. French Revolution." She was like, "Okay, good. That's a good topic." So um, little freshman me learning how to do research papers. It's a good time. Um, so yeah, I was just um, I have a little presentation. I wish you guys could see the pictures. We oh, can yeah, put some of the them on the Instagram. What? Yeah, we did the little presentations with that. Yeah, we did little presentations, but we had to do them over Zoom.
0: I did Alfred the Great. Oh, sorry, that chair is creaking. I did yeah. Alfred the Great. Yeah, mm. and I remember very little. I remember at like the entire semester wrapped up, and then I was like, I did that paper wrong. I think I went about my research wrong. Mm. I think I went about a lot of things in the wrong way. Yeah, it does exist. It still exists. I was writing that and another research paper about mm-hmm. like Lawrence of Arabia at the same oh, time, and that's I cool. think both are garbage. Oh
1: no. Yeah, you tend to look back on things you've done in the past and be like, ah.
0: Except for this one project I did for Waima. That girl could put thoughts together. That girl had two brain that cells gr- to rub together. The Bonnie
1: that was in that class specifically.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that Bonnie was superior. Yeah. In every way. Oh, gosh. The one that sits before you? <laughs> N- Nish.
1: Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm looking back over this, and since then I have learned more about this topic, okay. you know. And I'm like, oh, if I did this now, I could do a better job of it. And this seems like a very, you know, brushing the surface. And that's thing. learning. Yeah, that's exactly. Growth. That's a good sign. <laughs> you know what that is? Growth. Growth. But I'm just going to um, walk you all through this. And we can put some of these pictures on the Instagram because I know you can't see them because this is a audio. Uh, I talked a little bit about why um, why we study historical fashion and historical clothes. Um, but uh, just a little bit more on that. It um, Historical garments count as primary sources. So, you know, in history, we have primary sources and secondary sources. And uh, garments are primary sources that can provide insight into the lives of historical people and the cultures in which they lived. Um, they, a lot of the time, will show a perspective that you're not gonna find in documents because, you know, for so much of history, um, The written history has been from a certain perspective, you know, usually.
0: Bias. Yes, usually the the people in
1: power, um, men typically. um, But when we find historical clothing that's still in existence, we can learn more about just anyone who was wearing it. And that doesn't have to be confined to the people who were in power. Um, It's especially helpful when you study economic, cultural, cultural, material and political history. Um, but it's just cool to get like a window into the lives of people who weren't writing those documents. Um, when we get into the French Revolution, we this is the the era when fashion magazines are a thing. So when I was gathering sources for my paper, I was able to look at these illustrations from fashion magazines. I also used a lot of portraits by artists like um, Vijay Lebrun and Adelaide Lebeau Guillard, and also Jacques Louis David.
0: I know all of these David, people.
1: I don't know <laughs> French. I'm just gonna give it the American pronunciation.
0: I know all of these dudes. You do? <laughs> oh, okay. I, just, I'm I got so excited. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, ah,
1: oh, Bonnie. She had no such hope in her eyes. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I also um, a lot of kind of the like bigger museums will have a collection of extant garments, Yes. Um, so you can find pictures of those on their websites. So I used a lot of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, and the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Those both have really good collections. What did you say?
0: I just went, Victoria and
1: Albert. (laughs) It's a good museum. It's a really good source. Um, Okay. So, and also there were a lot of, oh, shout out to Fred Guyette. Oh, shout out. I gave him a sticky note. That said, my that said fashion in the French Revolution, oh, and sure. he gave me back about fifteen books, and most of them were not from Anderson's library. I don't think any of them were from Anderson's library. Oh, they were all okay. from Pascal. So um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. They were great resources. Um, I think one of them was just completely in French though, and I do not read French, so I was he able to use you some can pictures. <laughs> now I took it to Doctor Rindberg, and I was like, so you know languages, right?
0: <laughs> you just know you know languages, correct?
1: Um, some more unusual sources that I also used that were in these books were um, police records from totally. the time, and a book about sumptuary law. What's
0: sumptuary?
1: Oh yeah, we got to talk about that. Wait a second, I should just go and go ahead and talk about that. So, sumptuary law. Uh, those were laws that originated kind of in late medieval to the early modern period in Europe, and. Basically, they prescribed certain clothing styles and fabrics for certain social classes. So it was like, oh, you are not nobility. You are not allowed to wear this. Or um, maybe only the king is allowed to wear this certain color or fabric. Um, These laws had been in decline in France for a long time. They They were not at their height in the 18th century when we're going to be talking about, but they still, some of them still existed. Their main purpose was to distinguish social classes, um, especially the bourgeoisie from the aristocracy. Because at this, you know, uh, leading up to the French Revolution, the upper class, like kind of merchant class that was untitled, was rising up and, you know, they were becoming more wealthy and they wanted to have the kind of, you know, place in society that the aristocracy had inhabited, mm-hmm. but the aristocracy wanted to stop that. They were like, just cuz you're rich now doesn't mean you're as good as us. So, can um, you
0: imagine if you're just like um Oh my god, what are you going to say? That's really funny. This is the worst environment in which to forget what you're going to say. Uh,
1: yeah, a little bit.
0: Oh no, this is what I it was going to say. It can be
1: edited though, so you're I, not It's not the worst. It
0: was a joke. It wasn't that <laughs> important. I was like, can <laughs> okay. you imagine if you're just like goofing around with dyes, just like dying fabric with different plants and you accidentally make a color that like only that's the illegal king is, yeah yeah like you accidentally make like i think a you just couldn't sell
1: it and you couldn't wear it like you could ha- you could probably have it because they're it. not going to come into your home probably and find these mm-hmm. things it's more like if you're flaunting it they or like if like you're selling
0: it like like color sample and they're just comparing it to everything in your home
1: <laughs> yeah, I I, may, I don't think they had Sherwin-Williams, but... That's you know, the image in my brain. That's good. I like that. Um, so, a quick French Revolution timeline, because it's always confusing. Thank you. In January of 1789, Louis Sixteenth called a meeting of the Estates General, which was kind of like their parliament, but n- not a very good one. Um, in June, we have the Tennis Court Oath, which is when the, the Third Estate, so like the the common people withdrew from the Estates General because they didn't feel like they were getting represented fairly, and they made their own thing. Um, the In July, we have the Storming of the Bastille. Hey. August, the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizen hey. is published, I guess you could say.
0: Do you remember yeah. that, bad boy?
1: October, we have the Wives March, which is when all the angry, starving women from Paris went to Versailles and brought back and, like, forced the king. And his family to come back to paris did i say paris i said yes okay cool yeah september of 19 not 19 1792 uh, is when the french republic is founded and in january of 1793 is when louis the 16th was executed mm-hmm. so they didn't kill him right away that's a common misconception um (laughs) in april he had some time things go fast in the french revolution so it's instead of years it's months
0: oh okay.
1: that's why most of this is just months in april of that same year after so louis is executed in january in april we have the foundation of the committee of public safety which as i think most history majors at least know was not for public safety
0: it was not it, <laughs> it was wasn't OSHA guidelines. not very good
1: at keeping the public safety but it's called the committee of public safety that's the one which basically um was in charge of all the guillotining oh fun yes. uh-huh um that came to an end in july when in, in july of 1794 sorry so the next july that went on for like a year, before Robespierre was guillotined. Okay, uh, because everyone eventually got killed. You yes, know.
0: just assume that everybody you kill, here, and
1: then you will get killed. Yes, um, in November of s- in 1795, so another year later, we have the beginning of the Directory, which was kind of like this oligarchy sort of form of government. They went through they went through governments quite quickly in the French Revolution. It was just a, a fast overturn rate. And then in November of 1799, uh, which so we got 4 years after the directory is founded, Napoleon Bonaparte takes over in a coup. So, we have in that that's all 10 years. Oh my god. <laughs> all of that happens in 10 years. So that's just that's the time period that we are looking at. Okay. So, this starts out um, it, pre-revolution era in the pre-revolution era so like mid mid 1700s i want to say um there was a, the main thing that women were allowed to wear also this is going to be focusing on women's fashion sorry um, dudes yeah, yeah. <laughs> although the men's Podcast. fashion was also interesting and i'm going to touch on it a bit it's mostly women's fashion so the main thing that women wore in the court in the royal court was called a robe de corps, which is of sounds court. Crazy. It's a court dress, basically.
0: Okay. What exactly is court? Like, sound, okay. That sounds stupid. So Explain it for everybody if, else who doesn't understand. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so, uh, so Louis Fourteenth, when he, you know, renovated Versailles and made it into a huge, giant palace, he brought a bunch of the nobility to come live there and kind of, like, I don't know, pay homage to him constantly yeah. basically oh, fun.
0: Like so he was able conference.
1: to have more control over them because he had them right there with him but everybody wanted to they all wanted yeah. to be there for social standing but he was also able to keep control over them better that way and so if you were at court there were a, there were all these fancy events to go to you were you know the king was present and the king had control over everything at court so he louis the 14th when he was the king made very strict rules about specifically what women could wear at the court oh, fun. Uh, don't we just love it um he was very very big on formality okay and so the the bodice which is you know the upper part of a dress that is on the torso yes um was this very rigid like very formal fancy bodice and the, the style of the skirts changed over the course of that century, but the bodice part is what stayed the same. And that was the important part. And you had to wear that at court for a very long time as a rule. You can't just go topless. Um, Sorry. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> and you can't wear anything else either though. But actually they were, they did, heat. one of the rules was that you had to wear something that was kind of low cut that showed off your- um, oh fun. Boobies yeah. a little bit. I love
0: that you didn't just say bust, Louise. which is an actual term <laughs> in fashion. The
1: bust. <laughs> the bust. There we go. <laughs> Unprofessional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so, coming from that, the, the, the typical thing that we think of when we think of like Rococo and yeah. what people wore, like what Marie Antoinette wore, is the robe a la Française. And actually, when that was created, it was a very informal, like relatively informal. Costume. It was... um, It evolved from a a dress called the sackback.
0: Okay, that sounds really unprofessional.
1: And it was very loose. Like, it was... Originally, it was... So, I think you know what I'm talking about with, like... You know, the gowns that have, like, the pleats in the back, kind of. Yeah. And it's, like, tighter in the front. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah here
0: oh she has a picture for me yes
1: you guys don't get pictures
0: but like you know that kind of thing oh yeah there's like a little front panel almost piece that like angles down toward the waist
1: yeah so um but originally that part was not pinned down in the front like it was (gasps) like dresses in this era were closed with pins in the front they didn't have buttons or zippers or anything they just pinned them closed (laughs) why did you just raise your eyebrows with me like that ashton can you wake up <laughs> they pinned up? them closed um because you know you had stays Boy. underneath which is the ashton, pre version of you know,
2: so oh cold. yeah it's recording yeah so oh, you sorry. had
1: stays underneath your dress which were the earlier version of what would become corsets so yes. you could pin it to your stays without pinning yourself your without stays stabbing are different yourself than your corset. yes um well they didn't have corsets at this time period hmm stays would evolve into corsets but
2: Anyway, uh, back was very
1: loose. It was even loose in the front, but then they decided that wasn't very flattering, and they were right. It wasn't, because you looked like a giant cone. So they made it tighter in the front. But that was still a very informal, comparatively a very informal form of dress. Dang. And that was the main... But it eventually became acceptable to wear in fancy court functions, um, you know, after Louis Fourteenth was dead and um, during the Rococo era, which is a lot less formal in general... Rococo is all about like frivolity and yes. having a good time. It's very like feminine and light and airy and a kind of a rejection of classicism actually of like of classical styles. It was the first style in Western Europe since the re- since the um, Renaissance to not be based on classical architecture and stuff. Yeah was a rejection of that which is cool i like it i like rococo
0: if only those people didn't all get
1: decapitated they did but you know wait wait all the people that were doing that were <laughs> with rococo yeah they did but actually that was kind of not during the rococo period oh great rococo is more like louis the 15th
0: my mistake
1: i didn't <laughs> know this either but i yeah we all kind we kind of lump it all together but um rococo is more like louis the 15th and madame de pompadour she's like the Mm -hmm. rococo icon um not marie antoinette we just talk about her a lot because she died in a horrific way which is terrible why do we do that come on come Um, on guys be nice (laughs) okay so later in like the okay later in the 18th century we have a rise of anglomania in france so Everybody who's anybody who's fashionable wants to dress like they're English, which is interesting. Um, we don't usually think of the English as like super duper fashionable and in vogue. Like usually, it's the other way around. Um, England dressing like France. Yeah. Uh, but they were obsessed with everything English. So the men started, and this is this is pre-revolution. We think it's usually we usually think of it as after the revolution, but this this shift started happening. Before the revolution. Okay. Um, English fashion was a lot was seen as more natural and more suited to like sports, and by sports I mean riding horses and hunting. That was, was their plain. main sport. It was yes, it was, it was r- baked beans. And toast. It was comparatively plain <laughs> and simple. I mean it was still not plain and simple. Toad in a hole, whatever,
0: but whatever that dish
1: is. <laughs> in, what the heck? What the heck, England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was simpler it was more for like sporting wear and uh, so men this is where men start wearing simpler clothing that doesn't have as much embroidery um, they boo. start using wearing less wigs wigs are starting to go out at this time in favor of natural hair um, boo. <laughs> boo and women start wearing the robe a la anglaise Ooh.
0: The robe of the English. Yes, the robe. Of, so they have the <laughs> nice robe a la Francaise. Cringe. There was also
1: during, along with the robe a la Francaise, I forgot to say, there's also the robe a la Polonaise. Pol- Polonaise, Pol- which is like, no, it's like Polish. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, and that's kind of, it's, it's, I can't describe to you why, how that is different, but I they were usually shorter, I think, and more, ca- a little bit more casual, and they had like little loops of fabric. Okay, anyway. The robala angles is also open in the front. It's kind of oh, like to us, it looks the same, but it was a lot. It was very menswear inspired, actually. Oh, like it. A lot of them had very big. Um, what is it? What are these called? Like a collar kind of thing, like lapels. Yeah, yeah, and like buttons and things. Um, but this was a like a simpler form of dress, and. Uh, another thing we don't think of is that Marie Antoinette was actually at the forefront of this simplifying of fashion. Um, she even introduced this this fashion of the chemise a la reine, which it's called that because it's, you know, the, sh- the, the chemise queen, of the chemise rain. of the queen. Um, and it basically looked like underwear. I mean, their underwear.
0: Yeah, like a chemise is like a slip.
1: Yeah, it's it's oh, it was a white Muslin dress usually with very little ornamentation, um, very little structure, yeah. And it looks honestly very comfortable Pretty and poofy. very cottage core. Like when you think cottage core, yeah. look up a chemise a la rain. Um, and so it was like a kind of smock sort of thing, it's very soft and floofy and white, and um, so neutral colors were becoming more in vogue in fashion, and um. Yeah. Uh, actually, fun fact, this there's a famous portrait of Marie Antoinette wearing a chemise a lorraine and holding a flower. Aww. She's got a big hat with a blue feather. When this painting was originally, when it originally came out, it was, I think it was Elizabeth Lebrun who painted it. When she originally painted it, people were scandalized by it because. It looked like the queen was in her underwear. Like, <gasps> it was way too informal. So chemise. she painted another version of the same painting where Marie is in a blue silk roba um, anglaise in order to, so that was, that was the one that she put on display. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: because the other one was just not acceptable.
0: She's in her underwear, Laura. She's in her underwear.
1: <sighs> Scandal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're getting into the revolution part. So uh, as I said, the simplifying of fashion was already happening before the revolution came about, and so a lot of the, a lot of what was fashionable in the revolution was just a continuation of that trend that had already been started. But um, one thing that's really interesting is the use of color in the revolutionary period for fashion. Um, it had a lot of symbolism. So. People, um, the most obvious one is people wore a tricolor, which is, like, this little rosette with red, white, and blue on it. Um, Just, like, you would wear it on your hat or your hair or your dress or somewhere to show that you were for the revolution. And fashionable people wore these, too. There are portraits of women wearing a rosette, a tricolor rosette on, like, their cap or in their hair or on a hat yeah so it became a part of fashion not it wasn't just something that like the revolutionaries with their you know red caps wore yeah um the fashionable war too um but also so the apparently the representation of the colors was that the red and blue represent paris okay. and the white actually represented the bourbon dynasty so that is the monarchy um which just shows you that at the beginning of the revolution it wasn't it didn't start with the intent of let's kill the king. Yeah. It started with the intent of which let's have a more english style like parliament with with a monarchy still. That was kind of the original intent.
0: I know mean, they were so into England.
1: They were very into England at this time. Yeah. Mhm.
0: Beatlemania and all
1: that. But in all fairness, the English form of government has survived for a really long time. That's true. And it seems to work okay. So maybe they were onto something.
0: <laughs> yeah, guys. Maybe we should model it after these guys who yeah. have had very little problems.
1: Yeah, they just kind of keep the status quo. You know, that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I said something about the red caps earlier. That was yes. another thing that came. Um, into fashion but it still wasn't really like something that the fashionable really really wore it was more of a symbol thing so you would see it it's just a kind of structureless red hat that's a little bit pointy at
0: the top Structureless. yeah see ugly. it's like kind
1: of just like a floppy red hat
0: oh it is ugly it looks like a gnome's it, hat it is
1: ugly it looks yes it's like a
0: sleeping cap that like Ebenezer scrooge would wear
1: and it was more used in like paintings and illustrations and so and you know really zealous revolutionaries would wear that too um
0: they're really dedicated to their cause to wear that in public. Because <laughs> it's ugly? Yeah, I'm just rude now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh bullying goodness. them. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Um, Though A lot of the time, uh, women who were, okay, so, you know, during certain stages of the revolution, it was very progressive and, you know, uh, people were advancing rights for women and, like, universal suffrage and very revolutionary, very extreme things, like things that were seen as extreme at the time. And some mm. women took to wearing the bonnet rouge, which is the ugly red hat, as kind of like a feminist symbol of like, yes, we are revolutionaries too, and we deserve rights too. Um, the women's rights the thing hat. didn't w- last very long <laughs> because, um, you know, Napoleon.
0: They said pick one thing at a time. You can have one advancement. You can have one thing at the you time. You can have one advancement as a treat.
1: Yeah. Um, Napoleon was not really for the whole women's rights thing, so it it disappeared rather rather quickly. Um, let's see, should looking through my paper, who who should we exile? Oh, oh, Napoleon. oh, it's almost like they did. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
0: My basic knowledge of
1: Napoleon. What other basic knowledge of Napoleon do you have?
0: I oh my gosh! I don't even don't even ask me. Don't even ask me.
1: I oh I forgot. I forget
0: so much about yeah. Napoleon.
1: <laughs> He got exiled twice to different islands. I do remember that. So, yeah. Um, I forgot to talk about hairstyles. I, well, I said I talked a little bit about hairstyles, but for women, hair... Uh, glossy? So we always, like, you know, we see things of, like, the women's hair that went up really, really tall yes. pre-revolution, and they had, like, fancy things in it. Uh, most of those are political cartoons, so they're not no. super accurate. But it was still tall. It just wasn't as tall as it is in those pictures. Um, but hair during this era stayed very large but it became more like a fro like like they oh. were i mean it is very it is very actually inspired off of um people of like the hair of people of african descent so they were kind oh, of wow. doing a little cultural appropriation there well wow. we can't avoid it ah uh, no we can't industry. so oh, it it stayed big and tall but it became loose and abstract kind of like just a mass of frizzy curls with some in the way that white women's hair can (laughs) totally yeah oh god um and it had like little uh, maybe a few like curls hanging down in the back but some women would wear it natural like some women would do the frizzy curls that with lots of powder um which you will see as like it's it just it's like a yeah She just made a big dress with her hands. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, But some people would wear it natural. Um, If you want to look at a good selection of what fashionable women wore at this time and how they dressed, you should look up the portraiture of Elizabeth Vigée Le Brun because she has a good range of what people wore and like some good outfits. An icon. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So, what do I? I'm almost done. Okay, so be. later on in the Revolution, especially under the directorate, which was that oligarchy thing I talked about later, yes. right before Napoleon, um, that was when Greco-Roman styles became very popular. So that is where we see women wearing their hair completely natural and in updos. So this is, think think Jane Austen okay, a little bit, but even um, more like a Greek statue.
0: Okay, yeah, 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 because they would do those like... Uh, I don't remember what they're called. Like reveal it. Like they would do like those tight curls yeah. beside their face to frame yes. the face. And they would have these like frizzy little curled bangs. Hmm. I forget which version of, of um Pride and Prejudice it is. It's maybe the miniseries. Because people were like, the hair is more accurate. The hair is more accurate in the mini
1: series. Yeah. But yeah, that was but, like that's ugly. the kind of hair that people had during this era. And then the idea was that Greece and Rome had these ancient democracies and they wanted to you know imitate the democracies of ancient times so they also imitated the clothing so we have um that's how you get people really just went all in like they wanted to look like they like they wanted to look like a greek statue so they would wear women would wear dresses made out of this semi-transparent white fabric um scandalous it was it was a little scandalous there's a that's a cartoon about it because it's like oh look their dresses are so like delicate, that you can just see literally everything. Um, ah. <laughs> that was a criticism of this style. Um, and honestly, the high bust line is not super flattering on a lot of people. No, nope. because it was like the waist was just right under the bust. Is that it that just went impression? all the way up? Yes, this is the empire style. This is, that is what mm-hmm. this is where we get empire because. This Greek, um, Greek and Roman inspired thing stayed in fashion through Napoleon's time, and that was the Empire. So we call it Empire style. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, gosh, the waistline right under. The, okay, yeah, like those tunic shirts or whatever from the early two thousands would do that, and it'd be like a tiny little like imperial waistline, and then like a tunic like a shirt that like flares out. Yeah, we're just standing here with our hands like right sure. under <laughs> our boobs. Um, <laughs> And you guys just keeping them there. He's <laughs> like, well, to create the illusion. Um, yeah, it looks good in a painting. I can't, it's like watching people walk around in it it's the style I won't say it's the style from Bridgerton I never watched Bridgerton and
1: their style is it's inconsistent it's what Bridgerton is trying to they try to be kind of be inspired by
0: shout out to that scene in Bridgerton where she freaking tight laces a corset and does the obligatory like oh my god
1: I can't breathe okay first so, of all you would never tight lace yes. a corset during this time but yeah, well, they no, didn't no, actually have corsets a during she tight laced a corset and then wore an empire waistline so you can't even see her figure yeah. in it they just wanted the corset scene during this time you still uh, had stays which the different, a lot of the different between stays and corsets is that stays didn't they were they were they had boning but they were more of just fabric with some boning in it yeah and it the goal was not about your waist it the really wasn't your was but right? the the um stays during what <laughs> Just, I was going to...
2: <laughs> stays during... Ashton's stays like, what
1: stays you whining about? Me. No, I was laughing about sunboning. Sunboning? Um, oh, my gosh. No. Hey, we just talked about whales. Uh, whales, but, hey!
2: Um, this is where the sperm whales come in. <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh, come yes. <laughs> but during the Empire era, yeah, you would have... They had stays on, but the waist wasn't even visible in Empire clothing. So, yeah. no bay. you would waste effort and time trying to make your waist smaller, because no one could see your waist. I'm not going
0: to add on to the Bridgerton debate, but like there it is, kids. There <laughs> it is,
1: kids. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so that is we're coming to the end of this. Aww. Uh, a couple of so yeah, if you want to see examples of this era of the Empire style, uh, you can look up um, Josephine Bonaparte. She was a really she's a really good example of this. Also, Therese Tellien was a fashionista of the time. So there's some portraits of her that show this style. Um yeah, men tried out the Greek and Roman thing inspired thing. Like some people wore togas for a little bit. What? But it wasn't practical.
0: No, no, but I'm not gonna say it is. But like they what?
1: They wore like togas and stuff.
0: Like oh the men. My-
1: no, no, like just as
0: can you imagine the first man to be like I have a statement piece. Yeah. I'm going to go to the post office in my toga Oh, Yeah. My but then Lord. it was
1: not practical for everyday wear. Well, togas were not it, not created to wear out in the street. No. They were created to wear in like the Senate and if you're fancy. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand how history and stuff works they could they got confused Shout so out Thomas Jefferson. they tried oh it gosh. out and they decided nope this isn't for us so instead we have this is this is where we get the start of men wearing plain black suits Ugh. this is where that we're starts and it never th- ever has ended we're just staring off into the distance so as basically soon as you said men that. are wearing oh. okay men's formal wear of today in the west has basically not changed since 1800 In the last 221 years, it's not changed.
0: All right, Laura, you get to change men's current formal wear. Women's fashion
1: is changing all the time, but men—they were just like, nope.
0: You get to make a drastic change to men's formal wear. What are you adding? What are you changing? Ashton looks sad. Ashton, what are you adding? (laughs) What are you changing? He (laughs)
1: looks mournful.
2: I think I'm just seeing like the root of like every Oscars complaint I've ever had. Yeah! So, so yeah. one of my favorite yearly traditions that has happened once, but I, I hope to be a yearly tradition, <laughs> is sitting with Taley Chrysler and just eviscerating Oscars outfits. And should. it's only the men, and it's only their plain black outfits. Like sometimes we'll be like, I don't love that fabric on her. I don't know what her designer's doing. Like they apparently had a feud and her designer wanted her to look hideous. I don't know. Yeah. But with the men, we're and just like, date. boring, boring, next, next, boring, 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 boring. Mm. Oh, Timothy Chalamet wore something vaguely interesting this
1: time around. He yeah. doesn't
2: usually, it's usually a black suit. It's
1: like people, a black suit. I feel like people, I feel like men have been doing better in, in red, red carpet fashion recently. Hear me out. It's just little enough. They design <laughs> Porter, and you can wear. That's, that was still, oh, that, was the still basic, that was still a basic, that was still basic black suit, that ball gown thing, but. I have, t- I have
2: two options here. Mm-hmm. We have ninjas start wearing pajamas, suits are illegal, pajamas are mandatory for six months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after that time period, they're allowed to wear whatever, but suits are still banned. We just give them a reset period. Okay. Okay. It might need to be
1: more than six months. Like, two years.
2: Okay. Like, yeah. a two-year, and then how long are it you going to For it in? to
1: sink in, like, okay. in the, as a whole society, okay. you know?
2: And then, because you start getting, like, new styles of, like, men's out pajama wear. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> out and about. Um, my other option, and I was texting Bonnie about this earlier. If you heard mm-hmm. the buzzing, that was me being just the worst sound guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Deliberately we'll have to do sabotaging that us. Mm-hmm. Um but male uh, corsets, male corsets. Oh, those were are, a those thing. Were a yes, thing. Yep. no, we bring them back in a big way. Okay, like nice, beautiful male corsets. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I know, like corsets, bad. Like body actually, there, there's a style
1: for corsets right now. Corsets. You can't
2: see if you're a listener. I'm doing soy face. Uh,
1: <laughs> it kind of. Mm, it
2: kind of. It, it does something. I don't know. Okay.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so um, pajama wear
2: becoming formal fashion, and a return of (laughs) corsets. (laughs) <laughs> Those are my ass. That's
1: it. I'm going to do an entire episode about the history of corsetry. Please,
0: God. Wait, where would you, what What would you change or subtract from men's formal wear?
1: Oh, um, I Creamy. want more color. That's all. That's just,
0: the oh, bar Bars on the ground. Um,
1: the, yeah. <laughs> the
0: bar is a tripping hazard in hell. <laughs> oh yet. <my laughs> well, <God. laughs>
1: well, like, I mean, I said that the black suit thing started here, but at least at the beginning of the black suit thing, yeah. people wore silk waistcoats under the suit that you could see. That were like like beautiful colorful patterns. I'm so at least about, that was something. Yeah, no one Also and there's a guy, the color, yeah. Zach Pinsett. He's like Pinsett tailoring? Yes. Oh. Yes. Zach Pinsett. <laughs> he same dresses Instagram. like he is a Regency man. And are, his outfits yes, are very colorful. They are. Yes. Well,
0: I go I talk about He makes all a lot, his clothes. I've seen it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just Again, it was after this period. So it's like, okay, boring suits, boring suit cut, whatever. But then they would just wear these like intricately embroidered Wait, like floral waistcoats. Um Victoria. Oh yes. So mm-hmm. of course I'm just discussing Victoria. Yeah. Is but the waistcoat. That was their one waistcoats.
1: interesting item of fashion.
0: I think I think Ashton just googled pinset tailoring and, and then just it's covering his mouth. Like he gasped audibly.
1: Is that what ah. you want men to wear?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are you okay? You good? He's having a mental
2: reset. I just <laughs> wish that's what the Oscars
0: looked like. No, the Oscars are like this man. It's
2: good. It's pretty.
0: The way that the way that the Met Gala, especially, just like mm, we'll pick a theme. I love the Met Gala, but
2: then they just I love allow... the Met Gala. I want to be invited to the but Met Gala. But men are still boring at the Met Gala. They, uh, women are boring too. I a mean, little but, bit, but, but if I went to like, the wow, Met Gala, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. But hear me out. their black suit universally throughout history for men. Bad, bad move. Bad. But it does mean that dressing in, like, period-appropriate clothing is weirdly easy for men so long as you only go back to, like, 1700s max, you know? That's The only true. thing that like, changes is, There's like a, a big way in which, like, if you wear, like, nice dress pants and a white button-up and, like, a red vest, mm-hmm. all you need is, like, some lazy-ass Scott and a hat, and you've got, like... A yeah. Scrooge era, like Christmas.
0: Well, the only Christmas thing, the only thing that changes
1: is the cut. Yeah, and yeah.
0: The, the tie mm-hmm. in the last fifty years it's just like, what's the length and width of your tie? Yeah, yeah but it's like you tie kind of like a nice
2: lacy ascot. It yes. like looks fun and Christmas. Oh no, I
1: love the like. Me too. The big like, what is that? A cravat? You know? A cravat. Like, like the really, but the, like the oh. really fluffy, <laughs> starched white ones. Bring back a cravat. From like like. Oh yes, there we go. Yes. Pinset Taylor it's just but not not necessarily ruffled, just just kind of fluffy. Just fluffy, just there. Yeah. The like um, Mr. Knightley wears in the twenty the twenty twenty Emma. He just has like this fluffy white cravat and it's just like it's a good look. And when you one. get home at the end of a frustrating day, you can just dramatically you untie your cravat. Yeah, it's like a scarf.
0: It almost looks like they make a turtleneck. It's like for themselves. Yeah. Like, it goes all the way up.
1: Yeah.
2: There's a picture of Robert Downey Jr. Honestly, one,
1: cravats are much Ooh. better looking than actual modern ties. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that, is, is that not... What is he wearing? I think it's a scarf. Show me? But I can't tell.
1: But no, I mean the jacket. That's oh. interesting. It, like a tiger. <laughs> it, is, it is weird. It's like a tiger print. Oh. oh that's just a, he's wearing a scarf. Well... Maybe I don't know what a cravat <laughs> looks like. A cravat okay, looks wait. like this. Bon- Bonnie's finding a okay. picture.
2: No, I do. Okay. I like that a lot. Yeah, right?
1: it's, it's a good look. The cravat's a look. Oh, I've been what asking you a lot of questions.
2: Why jacket so tight? <laughs> Be, why is this jacket so tight? But it's like bulging
1: at the button. It is, actually.
2: It yeah, it is sitting. very
1: tight. I don't know well, what that's about.
0: If he's sitting, he needs to it. Oh, but then, it. okay, wait.
1: But wait. Because, like, here, I'm, I have to find a picture.
0: And a big deal is that a lot of old clothing Mr. looks a lot Mr. tighter Knightley because from it emma. Look at it. he has
1: his collar popped uh they would have their collars up and then they would tie the cravat like whoa show the peanut gallery yes. i love how i kept
0: asking like what would y'all add or subtract to men's fashion and i never answered because i don't yeah. i don't know i'm looking at all of this now and i'm like we it all back floral pattern
1: right now we're talking we're about florals. uh i just we just referenced the 2020 version of emma and It was a really good movie. It has Anya Taylor-Joy in it, but um, that is more Regency. So, like, the, the thing I'm talking about with the French Revolution is more Empire, which is right before Regency. So, Regency is, like, kind of end of the 18 zeros. I don't know how to say that. And then, like, the 1810s. Yeah. It's where it starts getting more colorful and like shorter skirts, and it moves away from the Greco-Roman Roman influence. It yeah. stops being so hardcore Ro- Greco-Roman cosplay and starts being its own thing. <laughs> Greco-Roman cosplay. <laughs> that's what. That's what well, the Empire the style is. Just
0: cosplay of different things. Yeah,
1: that's what. But that's literally what Empire style is. It's like they were trying to look like they're in Rome, but they couldn't do the two because they couldn't pull it through. Yeah. Oh, and uh, to uh, a couple notes to end on. I one thing I forgot to say when I was talking about the colors is that people would color code their outfits Mm -hmm. to represent their political allegiances so like there was a certain color um scheme that you would wear if you were like pro-Catholic church this seems like a very obvious (laughs) way to just be like oh I know who to beat that man up on the street you know yeah uh, but it was usually women who would wear that so you probably wouldn't beat a woman up on the street would you I don't know.
0: You're like oh, she's making I'm a gonna, face. I'm going to talk about Sarah badly at book club because I saw her wearing blue the other day. She was day. wearing
1: black and red. Black yeah. it was black, red and white for the for the um, Catholic church.
2: Laura, I have a question. Yes. So we're talking Napoleonic. Mm-hmm. Follow up, follow up. Okay. How period accurate? There's so much wrong with this movie. Okay. How period accurate are the clothes in Les Misérables? The movie. Well, so that, that
1: is Well, that is later. Is it? Yes. Yeah, I don't know history. It's not the French it's Revolution. Done. It's like the mini
0: revolution that happened. Like it's in the eighteen
1: thirties yeah. and forties.
0: Okay. I want to say.
2: I just saw an outfit. It was that like the summer revolution or something. Of, um, who's who's the one who's in Fantastic Beasts and also Les Mis,
1: um Oh, Eddie Redmayne.
2: Eddie Redmayne. This outfit reminded me of him in that movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you are not wrong because men's fashions stayed the same.
2: That's fair. Okay.
1: If men just dress like
2: this. They the, Okay. These in people.
1: the Lay Miz movie, though, uh, there's one scene where Amanda me. Seyfried wears a very, like, a quite good, she has some quite good examples of 1830s gowns, which I really like 1830s gowns, actually. They have mm-hmm. the really puffy, mut- like, Lego mutton sleeves. Yeah. And a really flattering neckline that kind of goes like that it's like a correct v, a I'm bit not of a V. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Anyway, that's not the point of what I'm talking about. To close with, I have a lovely picture to show you, but you can't see it. But we can put it on the we can put it on the Instagram and stuff. Yeah, Bonnie um, remembers. I yeah. I found out that there was such a thing as guillotine themed jewelry during the French Revolution. Oh, I love that. that. was made wait, wait, for no, me. Yes, Shia so Martin on
0: YouTube has a pair of wait, Here we have earrings. a
1: picture of guillotine earrings. Dude, I'm the follower chick on YouTube has guillotine earrings. But these are period, the like, period specific. these are from the French Revolution. That's beautiful. Yeah.
2: Bonnie, I'll let you pierce my ears if you buy me some guillotine, guillotine earrings. earrings.
1: I'm never and piercing the, anything. I can describe them for you. The, t- the top of the, the guillotine earrings, the hook is attached. To two little Liberty caps, which is the other name for the, the bonnet the, rouge. The ugly red hat? The ugly red hat. It's attached to two Liberty caps with tricolor rosettes. And then there's a small guillotine with a little blade that is free hanging. And then underneath <laughs> the, the guillotine, we have a head dangling down. So.
0: That's creative. Yeah. That's goth. It is. That's high key goth. It's kind of crazy. I love that.
2: Should I mean that this, but with a guillotine earring, would it be a look? It's it would a, it would be a it's look. Just a picture of yeah. Harry Styles. Yeah, with a single Harry. It's a picture of Harry Styles with a single d- dangle earring. Oh, I was like can you imagine this? <laughs> it's a man.
0: It's Harry Styles. <laughs> yes, Harry Styles is wearing one pearl earring, one dangly drop pearl earring. Yep.
2: I have a petition. <laughs> yes. We should do we should do our we should do our regularly when we come back. Yeah. We should do a regularly scheduled every other week episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but once a month, we should do an off week episode mm-hmm. where we come in and it's just like an episode of media mentions. Oh yeah, and and I, I and I
1: just have a microphone and we all just shoot the breeze for a while. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah,
2: we need it, and I think we should semester. do
1: like just like okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many listeners we actually have, so, but I but I'm asking for listener feedback. Do yeah. you guys like it if when we savagely attack movies for their historical accuracy or inaccuracy? It's all I do. It's I vote hap- yes. It's all that I in my brain. enjoy doing it, but I'm not sure if everyone enjoys listening to it. But I think people do enjoy it. Like I enjoy listening to it. also. It is my number one hobby. Like yes. I, mm-hmm. those are my favorite Carolina Zabrowska videos. They're the ones where she just roasts movies. Mm -hmm. I think
2: people generally enjoy listening to brutality because it's the easiest to be really funny when you're being a merciless bully. Yeah. And it's okay to be a merciless bully to movies because they're made by millionaires. That's true. And they're allowed to be sad about if we don't like their movie.
1: Yeah. It's the closest thing we can get to the movie. I mean, I'm not concerned about hurting anyone's feelings. I'm just, it's okay. It's it's constructive criticism. You wouldn't steal a car. (laughs) <laughs> you wouldn't download a car <laughs>
2: hey, what? But, I would. but I would I know that's a pirating marketing <laughs> thing I would 100% download
1: a car If, if, you, I could. if you could download a car <laughs> Yes Bonnie, speaking of media mission, mentions Do you have any for us today? You, oh, don't, you yeah. don't have to if you don't want to
0: No, because I knew the topic of today's video I straight up just wanted to talk about um, Historical fashion YouTube My, yeah. my message is If you're not on historical fashion YouTube Get on it um, Amen. There is the variety. There is Carolina Zabrowska, funny skit comedy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is, oh my gosh, Bernadette Banner spending 40 minutes hand sewing, like 40 minutes in our time, days in her time, hand sewing to as close as historically accurate as she can get a set of like late 1800s, like like pair of drawers. Like hmm. I, or like a set yeah. of combinations. And I'm like, oh. My gosh, my mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not watching this woman sew 1800s underwear. Yeah. That's definitely not what I'm spending my Friday afternoon doing. A lot that. of
1: these videos you could use as tutorials, but I think most of their viewer base just wants to watch
0: Oh, yeah. It. It, it's the satisfaction yeah. of watching somebody, like like, speed go through a craft. Yeah. But also, like she does a really good job of just explaining the method. I think you watch her videos and she'll take a pause and she's never like, oh, I'm great at sewing. This is what I'll do. It's also a great experience to see like how hard and complicated sewing is, even Mm -hmm. from a pattern. Yeah. And just the things that she accomplishes, like she just finished a thing on um called Hidden Pants, but like like the split skirt, yeah, like like bicycle pants. Like, Bernadette Banner is great. Gosh, oh, there she, she is,
1: kids. If you're looking for like... She's one of those popular just,
0: historical fashion YouTubers. Her
1: videos are just like calm. Like if you just are looking for something to watch, like a really long video that just calms you down and you don't really have to pay attention to, but it's just going on in the background is soothing. Yeah. Just watch Bernadette Manor sew some pants. If you're mm-hmm. looking for something more entertaining and upbeat, I would recommend like Carolina Zabrowska yelling yes. about some historical fashion errors in a movie, or McCara Tours doing everything wrong. <laughs> but still having fun.
2: Okay, but (laughs) also, if you're hectic like me, here's something that occurred to me is like me marketing these YouTube channels to myself. If you're not immediately interested, here's the reason why you could be. Because have you ever seen the scene from Legally Blonde? Of course, yes. Where this is. I think this specific line is from the musical specifically. The same scene happens in the movie, but I think it's a different line. She walks into the store into a dress shop and she's like, yes, this oh. dress just came in. Mm-hmm. It's from like this year's. Bo-. And uh-huh. she's like, oh. You can't use that stitch. It's the with a half loop stitch on china silk. And she goes, uh-huh. And Elle goes, oh, but you can't use a half loop stitch on china silk it'll pucker and you didn't just get this in because i saw it last may and uh in last may's vogue i'm not about to pay this year's price for last year's dress Mm -hmm. and so you just
1: want to be able to do that right if you
2: watch these channels you'll be able to like Mm -hmm. sick bird, yeah
1: no
0: yeah dress ladies for your engagement
2: dresses who are trying to rip you off because Mm -hmm. you know more about half floops stitches than they do. And uh-huh.
0: it's something that's it, true. And yeah. when you learn to sew a little bit or when you watch these people do it, you either get an appreciation for like handmade things and how things have been done throughout history, or you walk into the store and an unfinished hemline makes you want to throw up. Cause that's what happens to me is I see <laughs> an unfinished hem or an unfinished seam. Yeah. And I'm like, it would have taken you half a second. Yeah, Get a serger. You and know? Then you
1: also go through stores and look at things and go, I could make that better at home. Are you going to make it at home? Probably no. not, but you'll still think that
0: it takes a while. Back when my mom was in high school and had more free time than I did, um, uh, she would like pick out a pattern and then just like make a dress over the weekend. Oh my gosh! And I was like, I wish oh, I was your mom, right? Not
1: that I wish I, you were my child, but like, hey, mom. <laughs> oh, my God, Laura! <laughs> but, I don't know. <laughs> you backtracked you'd really be quick. A, you'd be a pretty good kid. I, I don't want to get stuck with you. Hold It'd on. It'd be kind of fun. I, think. Um, I hope it's a little fun. That's a that's a good suggestion. Who are your favorite ones? Do you have any other ones? Abby oh, Cox is great. She, Abby Cox is She good. does her she does such good research. She she will give you lots of information. That is true. Yeah.
0: I think based on like the time periods that I'm interested in, and like the way the algorithm works for me, it mainly comes up as Carolina Zabraska and Bernadette Banner on my yeah. page, um, and then of course they link off to others because this is like a whole. Community people. Yeah. Oh
1: my goodness. It's a it's intense.
0: Which is it's really great. Like it's.
1: Oh, there's this one lady costume. Um, her YouTube name is SoStein. Okay. So she, she, um, she's a doctor, mm-hmm. but on just like in her free time, she makes gorgeous, <laughs> like, um, 18th century dresses.
0: They always do. I, like, I feel yeah, so. I in my free time, under accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happens though when you work like. It happens a little bit more when you work like a 9-to-5 and they're not giving you homework. Mm -hmm. I can't wait
1: to not have homework. That's true. You won't have to have homework.
0: Oh, my God. I'm going to learn to bake bread when I don't have homework. What are you going to do when you don't have homework, Laura? I don't know. Can't imagine it, Maybe
1: I'll try to learn how to sew beautiful historical dresses. If you don't, I'll be very surprised. Oh, oh, I, I hope I do. Hopefully, I will have more time. I guess, I yeah, because you won't have homework. Oh, my gosh, you were just saying that. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's I'm saying.
0: Like, when you, like, what will you, it sounds so crazy. This is such like a 21-year-old thing to say, like, mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. I've been doing, in public school for 13 years, I overdid it, and now I've done college for almost three. Are you still overdoing it? I'm still overdoing it. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. burned out. My brain cells are shriveling, and dang it, I just want to bake bread, you know? Yeah. And they're like, why can't kids do anything these days? And it's like, because I have homework yeah. and I just want to bake bread and I want to sew and I want to, uh. so that's what I was telling people last yeah. night at Andycraft, they were like, oh my God, I can't knit, I could never knit. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's just a bunch of YouTube videos.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. Knitting like, is yeah. It's not tons hard. of YouTube. I'm yeah. When I when I don't have homework, I'm going to dive deep into the world of historical costuming and go to all their events and wears and cool outfits and yep. Yeah, let's do it. That's what, that's what we're gonna do. Speaking as a nurse. Yes. Speaking as a nurse. You do Most have homework.
2: skills. Are simply a few YouTube
1: videos. So I oh my
2: gosh. Need to learn how to stick an in G tube. There's a, there's a YouTube video for that. Need to learn how to stick a calf. There's a YouTube video for that. Uh, I.V.s, shots, injections, assessments, it's all on YouTube.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks, I, level
2: Beautiful. up, RN.
1: Love that. <laughs> so it's Shut like up. five. She 30. taught me Do we want to-
2: my vaccination periods ranges. Oh wow. Yeah,
0: I hope um, I hope I've picked up some things um, subconsciously from all my dad's uh, continuing education mm-hmm. um, pharmacy license lectures. I need to go. Oh, yeah. Laura does need to go. we do Aren't an outro? Because we're, outro. as we just discussed, we're busy college people with yeah. busy college things to do. Yeah. And she has places to be and things do. to do. Also, I might attach on the Instagram the cute little burnt pie that I drew throughout this entire podcast. That is cute. Thank you. It'll be on the Instagram. Aww.
2: We're going to be uh, releasing <laughs> pins. Of yes, this is pie. Um, we're going to be releasing merch. And that's going to be animal pin. Can this be, be one of them? Pin. Yeah, that we're the gonna be releasing earrings. homemade guillotine earrings, produced handmade by Bonnie <laughs> Frick. Can't do that. Uh, A lot of uh, shrinky dink action right there.
0: <gasps> That's true.
2: Okay, <laughs> there we go. We'll do it. Well. Sorry, oh. I don't know what a Shrinky Dink is. What a, what? So, But I need you to know that in my mind, what you just suggested was that we build full-size deities <laughs> yeah. and we just <laughs> shrink, right?
1: No, no, yeah, no, no, that's no. definitely for, what it like, is. For, like, the detail is reference.
2: exquisite.
1: <laughs> the
0: detail is amazing. No, a Shrinky Dink <laughs> is... is It's shrink plastic. It's You draw on a sheet of plastic, and you pop it in the oven, and it shrinks down. Um, Very good for earrings. Very good for crafts. I also built a small model guillotine as a project in seventh grade, and I never got it back. Quick announcement before we sign off. Next week, we are going to be doing our Christmas episode. I guess Christmas slash Thanksgiving, because our Christmas break right now is super long. So we will be taking probably a break between the semesters because I don't know how to record a podcast remotely, and we all live in different towns. Just gonna
1: drive to Columbia, yeah, but then or, we can't know. even record. Oh, that's true. In Columbia, we my don't house. Have oh, a place. place. Yeah. Ah. Wait, could we have access to this room?
0: <laughs> we break it. Well, we're going to break into the makerspace. That yes. is a threat. Um, and we're going to record a podcast. <laughs> and we're going to leave. No. Okay. No. We're going to take probably a, a couple week at least break for the semester mm-hmm. because we don't come back to school you won't be here until like january yeah. something so maybe that'll give us some time to write some episodes in advance yeah tune in for our fun little don't know if it'll be themed fun little christmas november maybe um, we'll episode be, who
1: knows maybe we'll be able to do it we'll be able to release an episode once a week next semester if we get some episodes written over the break that's true if we get our crap together mm-hmm. <laughs> unlikely oh my god we won't the have of any, hey you won't have any papers or projects to work on it, right? Oh my god,
0: I'm only taking 13 credit hours next semester? I don't know what to do with myself. You think we like you're gonna cry. I might cry, that's actually. I, when I say I have, like, academic burnout, I yeah. mean, like, I'm dead. Like, my mom's like, are you thinking about grad school? And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Yeah. Physically can't. So, very upset about that whining spiel that I just went on. That's Laura okay. has a place
1: to be. Yes. Yeah, so, so, Laura's gonna sign off for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today for History for Non-Majors. This is a fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it, too. I we did. certainly enjoyed making it. Um, as we always say here at History for Non-Majors, men do better. Mm-hmm. I'm Wise. Laura. I'm Bonnie. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.